Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Good evening once again. I strongly believe our week has been going on great. And the rest of the week will be greater in the name of Jesus. Tonight I want to speak on something very, you know, very practical. And I strongly believe also very needful. The seven disciplines of spiritual growth is what it has been titled. The seven disciplines of spiritual growth. Because I strongly believe that there is a dearth. D-E-A-R-T-H. Of men and women. Who are growing in the things of the spirit in the age and in the time in which we live in. Christianity, if we are not careful, can almost become a thing of fashion, something that is trendy, that going to church now becomes something you do, you know, to be part of a people group, you know. And one of the words now is tribe, you know. So you are part of a church, you attend church simply because, you know, you want to become part of a tribe. You want to associate, you know, with a um, specific people group. And while all those things are offshoots of the Christian faith, that is not the main reason why the Christian faith exists. Um, this is not where I want to start from tonight, but let's start from there. Romans 8 and verse 29. You know, this is the midweek recharge. So tonight, I'm going to be very, you know, um, as much as possible, speak very slowly tonight. Praise God. And um, we'll read as many scriptures as possible. Because I strongly believe that, not I believe, I know that what I'm going to be talking about tonight has the capacity to change your life forever. And so I don't want us to miss anything. And please always be reminded, right, when you're coming to the Midweek Recharge, come with your Bible. I know today we all read Bibles on our devices, on our phones, but ensure that while you say you are reading the Bible, you are not checking WhatsApp or Instagram. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The Bible says God cannot be mocked. <laughs> So, if God cannot be mocked, it simply means if we want to mock anyone, we are mocking ourselves. Let's start from here tonight. Romans 8 and verse 29. Romans chapter 8 and verse 29. The Bible says, for whom he did for know, I think we should read it together. It's on the screen, right? If you have a printed Bible, mark it in your Bible. You see, this is the cardinal purpose for the coming of Jesus. This is the most important reason why Jesus came to the world. I've told us several times that Jesus didn't just come to give us a ticket or a visa to heaven. Even though that is one of the cardinal things salvation offers. But we need to understand that the most important reason, right, why Jesus came to the earth is Romans 8 and verse 29. So here we need to understand in Romans 8 29, the Bible tells us that for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Who is he talking about here? God. And the believer. He said he has predestinated us to be conformed to the image of his son. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. What does that mean? God sent Jesus to the earth so that there might be many Jesuses. Are you hearing what I'm saying tonight? He sent his son to the earth so that there can be a reproduction of sons. That's why the Bible says that it might be the firstborn. When it says the firstborn among many brethren, it simply means Jesus is not the only son. Or he's not the only born. 
So, he is only the firstborn. So, Jesus is our big brother. And you see, in a functional family unit, right, the first child is meant to be a model for the siblings. That's why sometimes when the first child is behaving somehow, you see parents say things like, can't you see, uh, um, you see, when the firstborn is behaving somehow, you see parents saying things like, you are supposed to be an example for your younger ones. Why are you behaving this way? And when the first child is behaving well, the parents will use that child as a model and say, can't you see your brother? Can't you see your sister? That's how you should behave. So when God sent Jesus to the earth, he sent Jesus to be a model. That's what the Bible says, so that we might be conformed to the image of his son. So Jesus came to be our image. He came to be the picture of what God wants us to be like. So, when people say, what does it mean to be a Christian? You see, it is not far-fetched. You don't need to look too far. The image, the picture of what a Christian should be like is the image of Christ. It's the image of Christ. And see, I'm jumping ahead of myself here. That's what the Bible says that in Antioch, after Jesus had left, the Bible says they saw the disciples and they said, you know what? These guys, they've been with Jesus. What does that mean? They saw the image of Christ in them. They saw the courage of Christ in them. They had the speech, the voice of Christ in their words. They saw the courage, the confidence, the boldness. They saw, you know, certain things. Because you need to understand that image is something you can see. I've heard people say things like, you know, um, Christianity, you know, is a personal thing. And that is true. It's that it is between me and God. Whatever is personal that is not evident is not in existence. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you say you have a relationship with the Father and the people around you cannot see the image of the Father and, in, and the Son in you, you don't have that image. You don't have that relationship. You are only deluding yourself. You think you are deluding everyone, but you are really deluding yourself. And so we're talking tonight about the seven disciplines of spiritual growth. And the reason why I started on that note is that you cannot truly say you are growing spiritually except you are becoming more like Christ. Except you are becoming more like Jesus. And you see, growth, you see, uh, a child that was given birth two years ago, if that child is still the same size, when you say that child is growing, there are things you will see and you say, oh, this baby has grown. Right? You just know this baby has grown. So when a man or a woman is growing, you are not the only one that will know you are growing. We will know you are growing. Am I making sense? And you see, it takes discipline to grow. Growth does not happen by default. It happens through intentionality. It happens by design. It simply means there is a way you must design your life. There is a way you must conduct yourself if you are ever going to grow as a believer. And you say, if you are not growing as a believer, your experiences on earth will be frustrating. You know why I said that? Because, for instance, people will know, oh, you are a Christian. And because they already know you are a Christian, there are certain things that they will not expect should happen in your life. So when those things begin to happen, your Christian faith kind of becomes questionable. It becomes questionable. And that is why, you see, as believers, we must prioritize our growth. You know, in this house, we believe so much in career growth, 
growth in business, you know, expansion financially. But I've come to understand that the foundation of all growth is spiritual growth. Just like I told us on Sunday, the foundation of all victory is spiritual victory. Why? Because that's the foundation of everything. No matter how beautiful a structure is, if it is built on a faulty foundation, it's only a matter of time that building is going to collapse. So whatever it is you are building with your life, if it is not built on the foundation, right, of groundedness, spiritual groundedness, it's only a matter of time before everything falls and blows up in your face. And that's why we need to understand that our spiritual growth and maturity is not only important to God, it should be important to us. It should be important to you. As a matter of fact, when you don't grow, you become a concern. You become a concern. You become a concern. You see, one of the joys of the true pastor, because the work of a pastor is the work of spiritual parenting, one of the greatest concerns of a genuine pastor, right, is to see people who have been under his tutelage for long and to see that they are stagnated spiritually. For someone that cannot pray three years ago, they give you the mic to still lead prayers. You still cannot lead prayer. It's a major point of concern. You are still saying, plus Jesus minus Satan. <laughs> Praise the Lord. May you not be a concern. In the name of Jesus. You know, there are certain things that as individuals... Let me leave that. I'll come to it later. First Corinthians 15 and verse 57. We should all know this scripture by now. Am I right? Media, don't put it on the screen yet. First Corinthians 15 and verse 57. That's the word for the month. So we can call it off and it's midweek recharge. Praise God. So I can call upon you. <laughs> if you've been joining the recalibrate prayers, you've even been praying it every day. By now it should be etched in your subconscious. So who's going to quote it? Who can quote it? Who is that confident person that can quote it? 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 57. What, is, what month is this? Is a month of what? A month of what? I can't hear you. It's a month of what? May you experience victory this month in the name of Jesus. So we've even given you a spoo. So 1 Corinthians 15 57. Anybody? 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 Come on, come on, come on. Our time is moving. We have a long way to go. You want to do that? Oh yeah, let's give Tola the mic. Let's celebrate that. Come on. <laughs> Don't open your Bible. <laughs> right now, everybody should close their Bible. You are in the exam mode now. <laughs> I think one of the things we should be doing. Huh? <laughs> I think one of the things we should be doing in the gateway. Huh? is to be having scripture memory for the week or maybe for the month. Huh? Is that a good thing? You can't be a part of the gateway church and should not be able to quote scripture often. Your pastor can do it, so you should be able to do it. I didn't bring it from heaven. Praise God. First Corinthians fifteen fifty seven, anybody? All right. Praise God. Hallelujah. Please, but thanks to God who has given us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Can we celebrate him? So let's have it on the screen now. Thanks be to God who has what? Who has what? Give. Not who has given us. Who gives us 
the victory. What gives us is a present continuous, right? Thanks be to God, who gives us the victory, right? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. So let's all say it together, one to go. Who what? Gives us the victory through who? Our Lord Jesus Christ. So what that simply means is that you cannot even have victory, right, if you are not in Christ Jesus. So the extent of your victory is dependent on the extent to which you are in Christ. Am I making sense tonight? Hmm. You know, the Holy Spirit revealed something to me many years ago, I think like five years ago. He said, do you know there is a point you can get to in your walk with me? That when you want to make major decisions, you will not be praying and asking for my will. He said, there is a point you can get to that my thought becomes your thought. That my will becomes your will. That the things you just desire will be what I desire for your life. And anybody can get to that level. That you will just know that this is what I'm supposed to do. But you see, nobody starts out from that place. Nobody starts out from that place. It's a function of growth. It's a function of maturity. So the Bible says, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So victory in the marketplace, victory in life... In general, we need to understand that it is impossible without spiritual growth. It is impossible without spiritual growth. That is lasting victory. It is impossible without spiritual growth. Let's go to Galatians 4 and verse 3. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 3. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 3. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 3. Can we read it together? Want to go? Even so, we, when we were what? When we were what? What happened when we were children? We were in bondage under the elements of what? Of the world. So it is very dangerous for you as a believer not to be growing. And you see, the children he's talking about here is not biological children. He's talking about spiritual children. Maybe before the end of the month, I'm going to, or maybe next month, I'm thinking maybe we should take out a month to talk about, you know, spiritual growth, growing spiritually. Because the same way it is biologically, that's the same way it is spiritually. There are three phases of growth in the things of the spirit and biologically. There is the babyhood stage, there is the childhood stage, and there is the adulthood stage. And they all have their characteristics. You see, one of the characters of the, uh, or characteristics of the childhood stage is that one of the things you notice about babies, even biological babies, is that they don't know how to use their mouth right. So a child picks some, or a baby picks something, the next place that thing goes to is where? The mouth, even if it can destroy the baby. So one of the things you notice about spiritual babies is that it's a wrong use of the mouth. They don't know what needs to be said. They don't know when what should be said. And they don't know how to say what needs to be said. So, I don't want to get into that this evening because we still have a long way to go. But I'm trusting God that maybe May or June, we're going to go into that. So please understand that there are two types of growth. There are two types of growth. Number one is inward growth. And number two is outward growth. Outward growth is what happens when people are growing old. You don't need to do anything. Just keep breathing. You will keep growing old. With every breath you take, 
you are one less breath to the last breath you are going to take. I'm not, going to, I'm, I'm not trying to scare you, but it's the reality. Everybody has an appointment with the life after. So with every day you live, as you are growing older, you are also dying. Am I making sense tonight? You are also dying. You see, so that's one aspect of growth. Physiological growth. You don't need any form of energy. Just keep breathing. Just keep living. You will grow old. The second one, which is our focus, is inward growth. Inward growth. That is growing up. Everybody will grow old, but not everybody will grow up. There are so many people, so many adults, right, trapped in baby bodies, spiritually. They are old. But when you listen to them, you are wondering, well, what exactly is wrong? At this stage in the Christian faith, you should be experiencing greater victories. You shouldn't be talking like this. Right? You should, you should understand your place in Christ. You know, there is a level you get to that if you are not growing, you will start backsliding. Trust me. If you are not, you say, when you see people who turn against the church, who used to be part of the church system, and they go online and say things like, you know, oh, pastors are these, you know, they do this, they do that, you know. Go and check it. It's because those people did not grow. You see, when you are in a place and you are not growing, over time, you will attack what you are supposed to be building. It's just natural. It's just natural. That's why you notice that in life, even within a people group, when some people are growing in that group and some people are not growing, over time, the ones that are not growing, when they see the distance that's been created between them and the people that they were together, over time, because they can now see the distance and the gap, they begin to attack those that have grown. And that's why in life you must ensure that you are always growing. You are always, because if you don't grow, you will become susceptible to the attack of the enemy. You will, be, you will become an instrument in the devil's hand. You become an instrument in his hand. You become an instrument. So you and I, we need to grow up. And you see, growing spiritually is impossible, except number one, a man is saved. And number two, they come to the knowledge of the truth. First, um, First Timothy 2 and verse 3 to 4. The Bible says, but this is, the, this is acceptable and good in the sight of the Lord, that all men should be saved and they should come to the knowledge of the truth. So where it actually starts from is being saved. You see, because if someone is not saved, you can't grow spiritually because that's the foundation of growth. That's where it starts from. Having a relationship with the Father. Being reborn. That's why it's called born again. It simply means you are becoming another person. Right? And it is something that happens within split seconds. And how does it happen? You have to believe in your heart. Right? And confess it with your mouth. There are people who have been part of the church system for years and decades. Who have never confessed with their mouth. You can be a part of the church. That does not mean you are saved. Just like sitting down in a garage doesn't metamorphose you into a car. It doesn't. If you pick your chair now and you decide to sit in your garage. And you've been there for two weeks. Will you become a car? No, you won't. You won't. So in the same way, coming to church month and month out, year in, year out, does not make a man a Christian. The journey of becoming a Christian, you see, I preached the message, you know, uh, I think like three years ago, becoming a Christian, becoming a Christian. Because, you see, you don't even become a Christian when you get saved. Praise the Lord. 
You become a Christian when you begin to mature and the fruit of Christ, the image of Christ becomes evident in your life. That's when you become a Christian. And Christianity is not a title you attribute to yourself. It is what people see and they will say this one. Because you need to there's something in the interpretation of the scriptures. It's called the law of first mention. So it simply means if they're going to explain something, you must understand the first time that thing was mentioned. The first time the Bible tells us that the disciples were called Christians, right, was when they were in Antioch, which I explained earlier. They saw them and they said, these guys have been with Jesus. But I need you to pay attention to what the Bible says. I think it's Acts chapter 4. It says that when they saw the disciples, the disciples, it simply means that the step to Christianity is becoming a disciple. That is a fully devoted follower of Christ. You can't become Christ-like except you are a disciple. And what does it mean to be a disciple? A disciple is someone that follows specific disciplines. To be a disciple simply means you have been disciplined. Right. You see it? Acts 4.13. It says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were unlearned men, and that they took knowledge of them, that they had been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. I'll come back to that later where they spoke about the fact that they were Christians, right? It's part of what I want to talk about tonight. So we need to understand that. We need to embrace that truth. Right? You see, when Jesus, in Mark chapter 16... When he sent his disciples into the world, he told them, I, I think, let's go to Matthew. We'll come to Mark later. There are so many scriptures just going on in my head, you know, because I really want to round, make sure I finish this tonight. Praise God. Matthew 28. Matthew 28. Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. If you have the New King James Version, it puts it better. Or maybe another translation apart from the King James Matthew 28 verse 19. Matthew 28 and verse 19. Matthew 28 and verse 19. Yeah, that's better. Matthew 28 and verse 19. Let's read it together. This was one of the last Jesus, um, the last words that Jesus spoke to his disciples. What does he say? Let's read together one to go. Go therefore and what? And do what? Make disciples of all nations. But you know what we are doing in this age and time? We are saving the nations, not discipling them. Jesus did not send us to save souls. He sent us to disciple souls. And they are two different things. What do I mean by that? Most times when people go to a place, maybe an evangelist, you see, that's why we need to understand that all the work of the fivefold ministry works in tandem. Do you understand what I'm saying? So someone goes somewhere, preaches a powerful message, people come out and they give their life to Christ. Oftentimes, it's usually a wasted effort. Because when those people come and they are not grounded and rooted in a place, you have not fulfilled the Great Commission. You know, people refer to this scripture as the Great Commission. But what does the Great Commission say? It says, go therefore and make disciples. Make simply means there is a process. It means there is a process. People cannot become disciples just by giving their life to Christ. No. That's why you see people who say they are Christians. But when you see their life, it is miles apart from Christ. Because they may be saved, but they are not disciples. So Jesus sent us, he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Go to the next verse, verse 20. Verse 20. It says, And what? Doing what? Teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. 
So it simply means people cannot be a disciple until they have been well taught. Until they have been well taught. That's why you'll notice if you study the ministry of Jesus, Jesus spent more time teaching his disciples than he taught any other person. Most of the messages of Jesus, most of his teachings were to the disciples. If you study the Gospels, if you study the Gospel, you see, the ancient Greeks, they had this, you know, system of discipling men, having apprentices, right? That's why you see someone like Alexander the Great, who conquered the known world there. He was a disciple, I think, was he of uh, maybe Socrates, thereabout. That is, they will have people sit under certain teachers for years, listening to them every day. Listening to them every day. As a matter of fact, what the, you know, uh, the emperors of those days, what they will do is, when they want to groom their son, they will look for certain philosophers and position them, uh, position their princes, their sons, under those people for tutelage. For tutelage. Am I making sense tonight? You see, because this process of discipleship is not, is not, is not something that can happen. You can't speed it up. And when you hear the word discipline, discipline simply means um, someone that's been discipled. A disciple is somebody that has certain disciplines, certain habits, certain culture, certain ways of life that they have adopted and accepted. So it is not just enough for us to say, oh, I'm a Christian. I go to church. The question is, do you have the disciplines of Christ? And you see, if you don't have the disciplines of Christ, you cannot become like Christ. And how we measure spiritual growth is that you and I, every day, we are becoming more like Jesus. We are becoming more like Jesus. We are becoming more like Jesus. Am I making sense tonight? Is somebody getting something out of this? So in Acts 11 and verse 26, the Bible says that the disciples, they were called Christians first in Antioch. First in Antioch. Acts 11, 26. Acts 11, 26. And the disciples, the last phrase, the Bible says, and the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. So it simply means that even after Jesus left, and these guys were filled with the Holy Ghost, it wasn't immediately people started seeing them. And ah, these ones are Christians. It took a process of time. And they said, wow, these guys are Christians. They are beginning to look like that guy we crucified some, a, a, um, a, a while back. All of them. Because the Bible, the Bible did not say, uh, and the disciple. They did not say Peter or John. All of them. All of them. They saw them and they began to call them Christians. That's plural. It simply means over the process. Um, in the process of time, there were things they saw in their life. And they knew that, oh, no, 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 no. These guys, we can see Christ in them. We can see Christ in them. We can see Christ in them. If you need any motivational for spiritual growth, please understand this. Galatians 4 and verse 3 where we read. While we were yet children, we were in bondage to the elements of this world. You see, when you begin to grow spiritually, there are certain things you will not need to pray about anymore. When you have dreams, <laughs> I think I said this in church on Sunday, they are chasing you in the dream. Stop praying and looking for people to interpret the dream. Grow. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Just grow. Just grow. You see, when you grow, you, they will not be chasing you. You will be the one chasing people. People say, ah, anytime I sleep like this, I just dream. Maybe you've not been working well in the night, in the day. When I sleep, I sleep. I don't dream a dream. Good dream. <laughs> when I dream, 
It's because God wants to pass across a message to me. I hardly dream. Am I saying it is wrong to dream? No. But just make sure your dream has sense. Not dream of my, I sat down, uh, I wanted to eat, they now carry the food away. What's that? And you woke up. You should go back to sleep and collect the food. <laughs> What's wrong with you? You said they collected food from you. And I say, Pastor, what does that mean? I don't know. I'm not the one that dreams it. No, it's amazing the question people ask Pastor. Hey, Pastor, what does it mean? You know, I was about to jump. You know, there was this, <laughs> there was this big chasm. I wanted to jump like this. I just hung in space. What does it mean? I don't know. <laughs> Am I supposed to know? I say, I'm not supposed to know. You should know. And if you don't know, immediately you go into the place of prayers and resolve it. If it has any negative connotation, you resolve it immediately. You know, because if you are not careful, Christianity in this age and time is beginning to metamorphose into herbalism. What do I mean by that? Back then, people go to herbalists to know what to do. That is, help me look at it. What should I do? So now, everybody believes now. Some people even believe that they are not well anointed if church members are not lining up to be asking them what to do. As far as I'm concerned, it's a sign of failure in ministry. If after service, after I've thought, prepared, after service again, you now sit down, you're not asking me again. Take an appointment. It means I've not thought well. If I'm teaching you well, there are certain things that over time you should just know. You should just know. Imagine if at the age of 21, when you want to go to the restroom, you still have to, you still have, to ask your father, Daddy, can I use the restroom? Is that a sign of success? That man has failed in parenting. That's what it means. So there are questions that by virtue of growth, you should no longer be asking your pastor. You shouldn't be asking. You shouldn't be asking. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying tonight? So when we say disciplines, what is discipline? What is a discipline? Discipline is the practice of training people to obey rules or a code of behavior. Discipline is the practice of training people to obey rules or a code of behavior. The next thing you need to understand about discipline is that it is the controlled behavior resulting from training. A controlled behavior. That's what I've told us several times. You see, if you want to grow and if you want to go far, please don't adopt the ideology of this age that I don't want anybody to control my life. Ha! Ah, it's a big mistake. If you really want to go far in life and you want to do well, some people must be controlling you. That's why you must ask God and you must be sensitive to the kind of people you submit yourself under. If you are not controlled, you will go out of control. The essence of discipline is that your behavior is controlled. Someone is conditioning you. Hmm. Discipline is also an activity that provides, the dictionary says, mental and physical training. But the two things I want us to focus on tonight is that discipline is a controlled behavior resulting from training. A controlled behavior resulting from training. So what are the seven disciplines? What are the seven disciplines? What are the seven things we need to control our lives with if we want to grow spiritually? Number one is spending time with God in the morning. Somebody repeat after me. Say, spending time with God in the morning. You see, some people have believed the nonsense. I used to believe it too. That it doesn't matter when you spend time with God. You see, 
Even if it's the, the evening, when you come back from war, you can now take out time. It's rubbish. And I learned it by experience. And I want you to put it to practice. You see, there is a difference in a day that starts with God and a day that does not start without Him. The difference is always white. Always white. <laughs> As a matter of rule now, before 10 a.m. or 11 a.m., I rarely pick calls. Really. Or answer messages. Really. Except on very rare occasions. There's nothing you want to say to me that is that important. Hmm. You see, why is this the first discipline? This was one of the old marks of Jesus' life. The Bible tells us that several times Jesus will spend time praying all night. He will spend time in the presence of the Father. In Mark 1 and verse 35. Mark 1 and verse 35. Let's see it. Mark 1 and verse 35. I can just quote the scriptures and keep moving, you know, to cover grounds. But this is midweek, Richard. We need to see these things for ourselves. And please be writing down the scriptures. You shouldn't be coming to church without a notepad. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You are not that smart to remember everything I'm saying. You are not that smart. Nobody's that. Even me, I'm not that smart. Nobody's that smart to remember everything said in, a, in, in 40 minutes, 50 minutes, or 60 minutes. That's why when we go to school, the lecturer expects you to take notes. Of course, not that you are going to transcribe everything I'm saying. But there are certain things that we hear you that you should take note of. Mark 1 and verse 35. What does it say? And when? In the what? In the morning, rising up a great while before day, he, talking about Jesus, he went out and departed into a solitary place, and there he did what? Prayed. In the morning. In the, the first thing you should do in the morning is not to pick up your phone. You will never grow that way. I can assure you. I'm not with chanting anybody tonight. I don't even sleep in your, I don't sleep between your house. But I know it as, because it's something I have to deal with too. Don't sleep with your phone. Don't put your phone beyond arm's length. So that you see, because this thing is a programming. That's why it's called the seven disciplines of spiritual growth. You have to discipline yourself in these things. And people say, ah, you know, what if the client is calling me? Why should the client, when do you wake up? Why is the client calling you that early in the morning? And let me tell you this, is a test. I was going to come to that, but let me say this now. You see, anything that takes priority above God in your life, God will attack that thing. Even if it's the one that gave you. Because the Bible says, I, the Lord, am a jealous God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And if you want scriptural backing for it, check the life of Eli. Eli was the prophet of God. Eli did not put his children in control. He did not put them in check. And God said to him, he said, since we have honored your children above me, in that you cannot correct them, he said, number one, I've taken the priesthood away from your lineage. He said, and number one, I wanted to honor you, but from this day, honor has left your household. And those two sons died together in one day. In one day. In one day. Why did they die? Because Eli prioritized them above God. Whether it's a spouse, whether it's a child, whether it's a car, whether it's a job, whether it's a business, that's why at times I just laugh. I bless God I'm not part of the pastors that depend on church members for survival. I just laugh when I see some people, you know, a measure of progress in their life and they just disappear from church. If you are checked up on, it's not because anybody needs anything from you. It's your growth and survival we are after. Because what have you experienced? Little change. You disappear. God already knows he can't trust you with more. You can run mad. 
You've not seen people run mad because of money. You know, madness, that the, the, the representation of mad, how you will know, is in decisions people are making. When you start buying things you don't need, things that don't make sense. You say, a madman is someone that makes decisions that does not align with human behavior. So I say madman, it's not everybody that removes their clothes and they are naked on the road that is mad. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Hmm. Never get to that point in your life where other things take priority, you know, um, above God. The first discipline, and you see, it is a discipline because it will not happen by itself. It will not happen. <laughs> you see, years ago I read the story, you know, I was telling us last, week, mid, mid, um, last week's midweek recharge about, you know, how lately I've been trying to read up you know, on autobiographies and biographies. One of the things I learned about oral robots. I remember some oral robots. Oral robots, you know, was an healing evangelist, you know. Um, how do I describe oral robots? It was at oral robots university that the bishop had the vision of Covenant University in Nigeria. That's the best way I can describe him. If you don't know oral robots, you need to know him. So oral robots said, he got to a point in his life that he does not even greet his wife in the morning if he has not spoken with God. No wonder people like that achieve those kind of things. That might be too much of a tall order for someone. You see, if you pick your phone, let it be because you want to turn on your audio Bible in the morning. Because how do you spend time with God? Number one, through worship. Number two, through prayer. And number three, through word study. Those three things are the things you must begin your day with. Number one is what? Worship. Number two is prayer. Number three is what? Word study or the reading of the word. Of course, you have to go to work. You have not been called to be a pastor. So you can't be saying every morning, I want to read five chapters of the Bible. You are, good. You are deceiving yourself. That's why I always recommend that any serious believer in this age and time, thank God for your mobile phone. Have the audio Bible on your phone. While you are taking your shower, listen to the Bible. Listen to the, don't be listening to secular songs in the morning. What, what are you facing your day with? You wake up, you spend time with God. The Bible says in the morning, Jesus rose. You see, if Jesus had to rise up before, before day, before people started coming for his attention, you and I, we need it much more. Don't forget that Jesus is the second person of the Trinity. He's the Son of God. And you see how to spend time with the Father. How much more you and I? One of the things I've been able to track is anytime I step into the day and I get up, you know, because especially if you're a workaholic, which I am, oftentimes I want to wake up and just start working immediately. Thank you. And one of the things I've discovered is most times when that happens, my day is usually unproductive. Usually unproductive. Even if it's five minutes that I take out to pray and spend time with God, I always have a more productive day than when I... So I was like, I have targets. Leave the targets. And spend time with God first. It was from Gloria Copeland. I read some while, um, a while back, you know, in their book, um, was it 30 Years in Ministry? The book is out of print now. Can't even get it anywhere in the world again. That's just the truth. I think I was one of the few people that bought the last copies, you know, um, and she said something in that book. She said, when they started out the ministry, the Kenneth Copeland ministry, she said she just realized that because of parenting, she didn't have time to spend time with God. She said, so one day she just told God, she said, you know what? 
I'm going to try my best to wake up early in the morning before these kids wake up. He said, I'm going to give you the first hour of my day. He said, and if I don't get anything done again throughout the day, that's fine. She said something amazing started happening. That when she made up her mind to spend the first one hour of her day with God, every other thing she could not accomplish within the day, she was starting to accomplish those things. The children will start behaving well before that the children will wake up. Mommy, mommy, mommy. Children will wake up and they will be calm. She now said, wow. So when you give the first portion of, people say, ah, you know, it's because of these children. It's because of husband. Don't marry a man that his belly is his God. And you must wake up first and you resume to kitchen. Are you a chef? Is he himself? Is he not praying? Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? Because you see, if you don't, if you don't prioritize spending time with God, and this is the foundation of all these disciplines. You saw it in the life of Jesus. You saw it in the life of Daniel. These were men that controlled empires. One of these days for a full month, I'm gonna, we're going to do a teaching study, right, on the life of Daniel. Daniel was the only person in all of scriptures that was relevant for over 70 years. Because when you read the Bible, you will realize that he said, you know, the king, he served under the king of Persia, the Babylonian king. It was not a change of government. It's not like KPCPDP. These were empires. One empire came, took over another. And when an empire comes to take over one empire, they killed everybody that's in governance. The only person that was left alive for four empires was Daniel. And this was a guy that when they wanted to capture him, they said the only way you can catch him is in the time he spends with God. That prayer time, nothing, nothing can take it away. Even when they, he heard that a law had been made, the Bible says he still spent that time with God. When you prioritize your time with God, every other thing will fall in place. It will fall in place. Like I keep saying, it is a discipline. You see, you will not wake up. <laughs> Some of us depend on inspiration. That we just wake up and feel like praying. You know it happens, really. It happens. How many of us have experienced it before? We just wake up. Can even be praying three hours? Rather, even though your colleagues are wondering, ah, uh-uh, what happened today? We just wake up. You now see shaking. You are singing. Ah, how great that was. Ah, it was the wow, Holy Spirit has landed today. But you say, if that is the way you are living your life, you will never grow. You will never grow. It should be a discipline. And you see, if you've not been doing it, don't say, ah. With this message tonight, tomorrow, one hour. Don't start with one hour. Start with five minutes. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Start with ten minutes. Start with fifteen minutes. And you say, have the timing to eat. The first fifteen minutes, when I wake up, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to worship God. And worship and warfare, they are not the same thing. You can't wake up in the morning and say, oh, that's, you are not worshiping God. That's not worship. <laughs> Worship simply means the songs you are singing, you are acknowledging who he is. Then sings, my soul, my sake. You just sing to, from your heart. If you don't know, say, don't, somebody say, I don't have a singing voice. God does not care about your voice. Just let him hear your voice. Go to Psalms 5 and verse 3. Psalms 5 and verse 3. Psalms 5 and verse 3. We're still on the first discipline. I really need to finish this tonight. So maybe I'll just rush the others. Psalms 5 and verse 3. Can we read it together? One, two, go. My what? My voice shall you hear what? When? When? In the morning. Oh Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto you and do what? 
Look up. This was a king. He said, in the morning, you will hear my voice in the morning. Does God hear your voice in the morning? Or it is Instagram that hears your voice in the morning. It sees your likes in the morning. And your shares and your comments. In the morning, David said, you will hear my voice. You will hear my voice. Can somebody make that commitment today? That in the morning, God, you will hear my voice. That when I wake up, in the first few moments, God, you will hear, before anybody hears my voice, you will hear my voice. Hmm. Praise the Lord. So remember, how do you spend time with God? Number one is what? True worship. True worship. Just sing to Him. Remember the protocol of accessing God's presence is in Psalms 100 and verse 4. It says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. You see, you don't spend time with someone by rushing into their presence with requests. Father, this day, as I go into this day, make a way for me. Open doors. You are not spending time with him. You are sending him on errand. Psalms 100 and verse 4. Enter into his gate with what? Not with requests. With thanksgiving. Not, ah, Father, this is another day. <laughs> this day, as I step out, ah, God, that's, you are not spending time with him. This is how to spend time with you. You enter into his gate with thanksgiving and into his call with praise. Thanksgiving is self-explanatory. You are thanking him for the things that he has done. What is praises? Praises is acknowledging his role in your life. And there are two different things. Now, Father, thank you for life, for breath. The fact that I'm still alive is, as a, is a result of your impute. I couldn't have kept myself alive. That is thanking him. Thanksgiving requires that you remember specific things. You cannot just thank in a vacuum. Praise simply means, God, thank you for being my helper. You have been my helper. You have been my God. You are, you are acknowledging the role that he has been playing in your life. I hear what I'm saying. You can do that for five minutes. You see... If you've not been used to this thing, when I was starting these years ago, I used to write, when I hear songs that I like, I will write it down. That ah, tomorrow I will sing this in my quiet time. Start out that way. Or else you just wake up and say, ah, what song should I sing now? Because you are not used to it. Say, ah, what song should I sing now? What song do I sing? When there is no song, just say, Father, <laughs> you say, a lot of Christians that pray in tongues, it's because they don't know what to say in their understanding. And one is not a substitute for the other. If you tell the average Christian to pray for one hour in understanding, they can't. They can't. Because they, they don't spend time with God. So they don't know what to say. You see, if you think spending time with God is boring, it's because you know, you see, if you have not been spending time with someone, if they lock you in the same room with that person for two hours, it will be boring. But if they lock you in a room with your friend, two hours will look like two minutes. Spend time with God. That's the first discipline. Spend time with Him. Spend time with Him. Spend time with Him. Be on purpose to spend time. My pastor said something years ago, and when he told me that, I can't even remember the year, when he told me that, he had done it for 20 years. He said 20 years ago, when he was telling me, this is over 10 years now, he said, I made a commitment to God that no Bible, no breakfast. He said, and I've successfully done that for 20 years. That nothing enters my mouth until I've read my Bible. 
It doesn't just happen. It's a commitment. It's a commitment. It's a commitment. Praise the Lord. You see, if you don't eat for a while, your body will begin to react. You will feel sick. The same way, if you don't feed your spirit for a while, things will begin to nosedive in your life. It's only a matter of time. It's only a matter. You say, when I've not spent time with God for a while, I feel it. And I make sure I cause correct before people begin to feel it. Because when you start feeling it, if you don't do something about it, before you know it, others will start seeing it. Hmm. Psalms 92 verse 1 to 2. The Bible says it is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto your name, O Most High, to show forth your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. Did you see that? Your loving kindness when? In the morning. In the morning. In the morning. You see, for some of us, it might require that you have to wake up earlier. So if you are someone that you wake up, that even the time you wake up, you are getting late to work. You know that you have to wake up earlier. If it's 30 minutes earlier, you have to wake up. You have to wake up to spend time with God. No, it's amazing because see, this thing is just, it's just a function of priority. You must just make up your mind, I'm going to prioritize this. Even people that don't have value for time, they always get late to places. One thing I've discovered is when they have a flight, they don't get late to the airport. They arrive there early. But God's presence will get there. <laughs> God is seeing all those things. He can see. The one who gave you eyes, do you think he does not have eyes to see? It's not a dead God. It's not a wooden God that you created eyes for. It's the one that gave you the eyes. So he can see all things. So do you think that the eyes he gave you, his vision will be limited to the limits of your own vision? He can see all things. He can see the way you treat him. He can see the way you treat the things that matter to him. So the first discipline is spend time with God, not just any time, but in the morning. In the morning. In the morning. Number two. Number two, discipline. Constantly, constantly feed your spirit with other sources. Constantly feed your spirit with other sources. What do I mean by that? Other sources simply means other spirit-inspired sources. And that's one of the things we try to encourage you to do. That's why the gateway messages have been made free. Go to the website, download it. All those things, there's a way it enables you to grow spiritually. Read Christian books. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Read books that will make you grow in the things of the Spirit. That's what Apostle Paul said to his son Timothy in 2 Timothy 4 and verse 13. He said, the cloak that I left at trust with Kapos, when you come, bring it with you and the books, but especially the parchments. So when you are coming, bring my books. Bring my books. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4, when the devil came to tempt him, he said, it is written. How did Jesus know what was written if he had not read the book of Isaiah? How? If he had not read the law, if he had not read Deuteronomy and all those books, the Old Testament, how will he have been able to quote what was written? How? As a believer, there are authors you should be reading. I know there are places where, you know, they are all in all. You can't read any other pastor's book. Not here. That's why we have books of the month. I'm not the... What's the word now? 
<laughs> I don't have access to all knowledge. If you are a Christian, you should read books by Kenneth Egan. You should read books by people like Kenneth Copeland, people like Coral Roberts. It will help you grow. Those names, does it sound like tongues to you? Write it down and search for them. Write it down and search for them. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Books written by authors when there was no distraction. Books like men like Watchman Nee. A proverbial apostle Paul of some sort. He was also in prison. Some of those books he wrote them in prison. Can't just be reading management. I read books on business management and those things. Don't get me wrong. And I believe you know your pastor is well read. But let me tell you this. You must read books that feed your spirit. You must. You must. Any Christian that doesn't read will soon lack you will lack inspiration. There is no way. You see, there is something about reading. It inspires you. You will get to a point that you will be reading and you will be seeing and hearing more than you are reading. You will just realize that you have gone into another realm. You are hearing something else. Because there is something about reading books by anointed men and women. Because they wrote that book or those books under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. When, they, when you are reading that book, that same anointing begins to flow. That's why you need to be careful whose books you are reading. You know, Jesus said, I think it's John 6 and verse 63. He said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and life. Words carry the spirit of the ones that wrote it and the one that said it. Praise the Lord. Number three, spend time every day praying in the Spirit. Spend time every day praying in the Spirit. You know, just to, you know, uh, mention another illustration, you know, about feeding on other sources. You know, I remember sometimes back, I was very, I, I felt <laughs> very inadequate because sometimes when I would preach many years ago. And I still do that now when I didn't have an understanding. I felt inadequate. That, you know, I'll be preaching and I'll mention my pastor all the time. You know, my pastor said. And I remember, I think maybe somebody said to me, ah, you how listen to your pastor, your pastor, your pastor. You know, and I was reading this book by um, Jerry Savelle, who is a spiritual son to Kenneth Copeland. And he wrote in the book that when he started out the ministry and even to know that some people walked up to him and said, you all listen Brother Copeland, Brother Copeland, Brother Copeland. So don't you have words of your own? <laughs> you see, but let me tell you this. When you feed on someone's material, it will come out. It's not that you will plan it. It will just come out. The people that listen to my messages in this church, I know. You don't need to say, Pastor, I had your message. I will know in your words. I will know. There are things that, as a member of the gateway, should not be in your vocabulary again, if you have been hearing the messages. I said that to say this, you know, years ago, and the bishop does not hide it. The bishop said that the key to terminating poverty, he got it from Kenneth Copeland and Gloria Copeland's book. Not even the Bible. He said he took the book and went on three days fast with the books. He said, God, the secret of kingdom prosperity, I want to see it. After three days, he saw it. I said, I cannot be poor. Some of you just say, I can never be poor. Did you, have you read what he read? But I said that to say this. He had to read an anointed person's book. You see, let me tell you this. Many of the things some of us are struggling with, the answers are in books that have been written. 
There are times that in my quiet time, you know, after I've prayed, worship God, thinking, I just speak an anointed book and I sit down and I read it. So number one, spend time with God in the morning. Number two, do what? Feed your spirit constantly with other sources, anointed sources. Number three, spend time every day praying in what? In the spirit. In the spirit. In the spirit. I had this first from Brother um, Creflo Dollar many years ago. You know, Kenneth Copeland and Gloria Copeland are spiritual parents. And he said, Gloria Copeland told her, I'm told him one secret. That if you want to last in ministry and in life, and you want to keep growing spiritually, he said, you must ensure you pray for at least one hour every day in the spirit, no matter how busy you are. I read that as an undergraduate, and I made it a lifestyle. And I just saw my life take quantum leaps. Let me tell you this, these things are disciplines. If you can't do one hour, nobody saying you should start out with one hour. They are ministers. I'm telling you the story of ministers. And I'm a pastor too. So it resonates more with me. You might not be able to do one hour every day, but at least you must do it every day. You must do it every day. That's what Apostle Paul, look at the words of Apostle Paul. 1 Corinthians 14. Let's go there. 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 18. When Apostle Paul says that he did something, you need to pay attention to to it. Because Apostle Paul accomplished things that even Peter, James, and John that spent time with Jesus did not accomplish. Look at what he said. He says, I thank my God that what? I do what? I speak with tongues more than you all. So Apostle Paul was telling us that one of his secrets is that he prayed more in tongues. He says more than you all. Who are the people he was talking about? (laughs) The other disciples. More than Peter. More than John. That's why you saw what they did not see. Let me tell you this. One of the things praying in the spirit does is that it makes you sensitive. It makes you sensitive. You just know things. And the language of the spirit is is knowing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you are still waiting for voice, my son, my son, you are still in kindergarten. Knowing is greater than hearing. You just know. There's a level you get to, you just know what next to you. You see, people will ask you, how do you know? You know, I don't know how I know, but I just know. And you will take those steps and it will turn out right. And you now become a wonder to many. If you want to operate in that realm, it's very easy. Just create time every day. You see, by the time you begin to do these things, the things of the world, when I see people, Christians, who are so passionate about the things of the world, who are dressing the way worldly people are dressing, I know there are no disciplines in their life. Because when you do these things consistently, the desires of the world will just fall off you. You see, you can't spend time praying in tongues every day or you do 30 minutes or one hour and the next thing you feel like doing is to dress like a godless celebrity. That desire is dying every day. I hear what I'm saying. That's why you say, I'm not a judgmental preacher that says, no, if you do this, you perish. You do this, you go to hell. If you do this, you're not a child of God. No, you might be a child of God and you are just stuck or your growth is just stunted. I know if I can get you to grow, there are certain things that you will not need to be told not to do it. You will just know I should not be doing this. You know, if they are telling someone, don't do this, don't do this, they can even rebel. But when they themselves begin to pray in the spirit, it will just get to a point. You see, this thing is a thing of desire. The things you love to do is a function of desire. The more you pray in the Holy Ghost, your desires begin to shift. There are things you want to do and you just know within yourself, God will not like this. 
The same way if you truly love someone. There are things that when I want to do, I just know that, ah, my pastor must not hear this. I know he will not be happy. He will not be pleased with me. He will not be pleased with me. Ah, if I do this. Ah, no, no, no. As a believer, I should not be doing this. I didn't get there overnight. And the truth is, it's not that one day you just, ah, I've gotten there. No, you just realize that over time, your desires are shifting. Over time, you just realize, it's just that the same, you see, let me tell you this, everything that you require to grow is already within you. A five-month-old girl has within her everything it takes to be a woman. She doesn't need to do anything else, she just needs to keep growing. Do you understand what I'm saying? But at the age of two, she can't reproduce another baby. But there is a particular age she gets to that she will effortlessly reproduce. Do you understand what I'm saying? So what it takes to grow, to become all that God has created you to be, is already on the inside of you. You just need to grow into those things. That's why let me tell you this. You see, when I tell, when I say things like, people should not hustle and all those things. When people, some people don't accept it, I understand. It's lack of growth. If you are not growing, it can't make sense to you. How can you say I should not also? I will just sit down and be looking. Ah, you know, if you keep quiet to your own, we keep quiet with you. you there's no, you, you can't understand it because you have no, but there is a level you grow to and you say yourself, you just wonder, ah, ah, how come I wasted my life with all this hustling thing? Why are you hustling? Because you don't know where what you are looking for is. It's as simple as that. When you spend time with the one that knows everything, how will you not know everything? You will just know. You just know, no, no, this is what I'm supposed to do. There are so many things I know today that I did not learn. Skills that I have that I did not learn. You see, the Bible says concerning Bezalel, the Bible says that God gave him the capacity to do cunning works in the building of the temple. Did Bezalel go to school of architecture? No. The Bible says because the Spirit of God gave it to him. There are things the Spirit of God can give to you, but it comes in the place of intimacy. Haven't you seen men and women that are very close, and over time, in marriage, they begin to look alike? It's intimacy. The more you spend time with God, the more you begin to look like God. Can God be confused? Can God be in a business and be failing in business? It will just, God will know. Because the Bible says concerning Jesus, that when 5,000 people needed to eat, the Bible says they told his disciples, to go do something. The Bible says because he himself knew what he was going to do. So everybody can be running around like headless chicken in your industry, but you will just know what to do. Everybody is hustling, but you just know uh, <laughs> when we do this. And when they now do what you say, it will now work out. Now, ah, how did you know? I just know. It's a byproduct of growth. And one of those disciplines is to pray a lot in the spirit. Pray a lot in the spirit. Pray a lot in the spirit. Jude 20. That's what the Bible says. Beloved, building up yourself. That is growing yourself. Building up yourself on your most holy faith. How do you do that? By praying in the Holy Ghost. You want to build up yourself. You want to grow spiritually. It says pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Do it consistently. Don't do it inter- Don't do it haphazardly. Don't do it today. You don't do it again until next week. Do it on a daily basis. Maybe I should have even titled it Seven Daily Disciplines for Spiritual Growth. I think that's a better way to title it. Seven Daily Disciplines for Spiritual Growth. These are things you do on a daily basis. So number one, you spend time with God in the morning. Number two, feed on other sources. Number three, what? Spend time praying in the Holy Ghost. Spend time praying in the Holy Ghost. Spend time praying in the Holy Ghost. Hmm. Praise the Lord. 
Romans 8 and verse 26. The Bible says, likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities. It says, for we don't know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercessions for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. The truth is, some people don't have that. When some people say things, or when they hear people say things like, you know, I pray three hours, I pray four hours, they are wondering, what were they saying? Because you all your prayer points, 30 minutes, he don't finish. Oh, why would somebody be saying for four hours? If you want to pray long hours, in the, uh, you want to spend longer hours praying, do a lot of it praying in the Spirit. You see, the Bible says we don't know what you need to pray for. Even when you know, you don't know how you are supposed to pray about some of those things. He says, but the Spirit can take over. You see, it is one of the limitations of mankind. Being able, because prayer is communicating with divinity. It's one of the limitations. That was what Adam had. That's one of the things we lost. Being able to communicate with God without restriction. The Bible says in the cool of the day, every day, God will come to have the visitation with Adam. But you see, when man fell, we lost that connection. So that limitation is still always there. But when you pray in the Holy Ghost, one of the things that happens is that the Holy Spirit bridges that gap. It bridges that gap. It bridges that gap. Hmm. Number four. Spend time in quietness. Spend time in what? In quietness. Hmm. Some might be wondering, how does this help me grow spiritually? It does. Remember I said earlier that one of the hallmarks of a baby, spiritual baby and biological one, is the wrong use of the mouth. One of the signs of maturity is quietness 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 as what the bible says in first thessalonians 4 and verse 10 to 11 media if you can help us with that on the screen first thessalonians 4 verse 10 to 11 it says and indeed ye do it toward all the brethren which are in macedonia and now this is where i'm going it says and we beseech you brethren that you increase more and more how are you going to increase more and more by studying to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your hands as we commanded you. Did you see that? He says, study to be quiet. Study, study. To lead a quiet life. If you are talking too much, you can't grow spiritually. You, mo- you don't have to always have an opinion. One of the hallmarks of spiritual growth is that you will be a man or a woman of few words. But when you open your mouth, there will be sense. I hear what I'm saying. The Bible says that they wanted to catch Jesus in his words. The mistake those guys made was that they waited to hear his message. They went by that. Ah! No man spoke like that. Because every time Jesus spoke, something came out that made sense. Because he wasn't always talking. Some people, something happens, say, I must give them a piece of my mind. When you give this one a piece, you give this one a piece. Before you know, you will have no peace left. Your mind is in pieces all over the place. In Matthew 14 and verse 23, the Bible says, And when he has sent the multitudes away, let's see that, Matthew 14 and verse 23. Let's see it on the screen. And when Jesus has sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to do what? To pray. And when the evening was come, what happened? He was there alone. He was there alone. The Bible says, I'm a people person. I always like people around. You won't grow that way. You might be a people person, but you must have times when you are alone. And when I mean when you are alone, it simply means because people, you don't have to be talking 
verbally, as it were. You can be talking on your phone. Quietness simply means you detach from everything and there is complete silence. It might be for five minutes. The first, you see, let me tell you this, when you start it, it will be, one minute will look like one hour. You just go, ah, time, go now, go now. <laughs> because you are not used to it, especially if you are the talking type. Well, let me tell you this. When, one of the things I try to do is one of the reasons why I love walking. You know, as much as possible, every day I do that. I won't tell you what time. Because somebody might be watching and they will now go and go, ah, this is where he lives. Want to catch him. Watch out for him this time. <laughs> but every day as much as possible, you know, it's one of the favorite things I do. Once I wear my earplugs, I don't hear. Don't do that. You can't do that in Saturday. They can carry you. <laughs> so I, I'm just left with my thoughts. I'm thinking. Sometimes I want to do something. I don't know. I'm faced with different options. I'm just walking. And I do that for minimum 30 minutes. That's minimum when I don't do it at all. 30 minutes to one hour. I'm just walking, 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 bricks walking. Before you know it, I get back home. The answer comes. You see, many of us are saying God is not speaking to us. How will you speak to you when everybody's already talking to you? There is no space. There is no space for you to. <laughs> are you hearing what I'm saying? There is no space for you to hear Him. Because you're already hearing from every other person. Spend time in solitude. Spend time in solitude. Psalms 37, sorry, Psalms 46 and verse 10. Psalms 46 and verse 10. The Bible says, be still and know that I am God. Did you see that? Be still. That is be quiet. Reduce your activity. There are certain things you will never know about God until you get into stillness. I remember stillness simply means away from your phone. Away from things. Number five. I'm going to rush through the remaining three. Number five. Spend time with people who strengthen your spirit and soul. Spend time who strengthen your spirit and soul. And if possible, do this every day. Spend time with people who feed your spirit and your soul. Every relationship is like an elevator. Is it that taking you up or bringing you down? Friends, never forget this. Every relationship has an impact on your life. There is no neutral affiliation. None. None. No relationship in your life is neutral. Is it adding to you or is taking away from you? The relationships in your life, they are help, either helping you grow spiritually or they are affecting your work with God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you have friends that you hear one thing in church, they say, no, 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 you know, he's a pastor. No, you don't compare yourself with a pastor. Pastors, if, 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 you are not a pastor. You don't have to be praying every day. Even God understands. You already know that's a toxic relationship. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Jesus was not a pastor. He was not a prophet. He was just simply the son of man. And he had to pray every day. Am I making sense tonight? Spend time with people who strengthen your spirit and soul every day. Hebrews 10 and verse 25. The Bible says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. As the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. He says, don't forsake the assembling together of the believers. Don't forsake it. He says, as the manner. The word manner there is the habit. And you know that habit is becoming mainstream now. It's like, when do you go to church? No, I join church online. Really? Church online. Most of you that say they join church online, you and I, we, you know they don't join church online. 
is church online, 15 minutes, one notification comes in, they check it. Before you know it, the next 30 minutes, they're on Instagram or WhatsApp or something. Ah, I was watching service. They now go back. Even inside church, you are distracted. Now to now say, when you are... Online is meant to be a substitute for where you cannot make it physically to his presence. It cannot become the main thing. Never. That's why look at this scripture. It says, but exhorting one another so much more as you see the day approaching. Which day is he talking about? The day of the coming of Christ. And he already knew, God already knew that there will be technological advancement as the day approaches. And yet, he said, don't forsake the assembling together of yourselves together. Don't forsake it. He says, as the manner of summit. He simply means God already knew some people it will become a bit, to become a habit. Oh, going to church, you don't have to go to church. You know? Why? Why? <laughs> it's between you and God. Yes, it's between you and God. But let me tell you, the Christianity is not just about believing. It's about belonging. It's about belonging. The Bible says that when they had beaten Peter and John, the Bible says they went onto their own company. Who are, who are the people in your company? Online church. So when you give back to your children, it's online that we name them. When you want to marry, they will join you online. As a, one of the policies, you know, I have put in place in the gateways, if you are not a member, we can't join people in this church. Because you can't be joining stranger. God will hold you accountable. You know, some people do that. Once they now see that three months to wedding, they now join a church. If I, another policy is, if you don't go through marriage counseling, the gateway church, henceforth, we can't join you and we will not be involved. That's just the truth. Can't be joining strangers. God will hold me accountable. Because when you join people, you are endorsing them. You are saying, yes, we have verified them. And so they are fit together. That's what you are saying. So when you now say you are endorsing and joining people together, then you don't know. Ah, you have become a partaker in another man's sin. Spend time with people who strengthen your spirit. Spend time. Spend time with them. Spend time with them. The scripture I quoted earlier was Acts 4 in verse 23. It says, I'm being let go. They went to their home company. They went to their home company. They went to their home company. Who is in your company? Who is in your company? What, what are they telling you? Hmm. Praise the Lord. Number six, take time to, for random pauses to acknowledge God throughout the day. Take time for random pauses to acknowledge God throughout the day. Take time for random pauses to acknowledge God throughout the day. What does that, what does that mean? Create time during your day to just acknowledge God in your life. If you ask my wife, I do this. Sometimes I'll be walking in the house. I'll just break out into a song. <laughs> you know, because I had an apostolic background. And most of those songs are Yoruba. Those songs just come and I just sing them. You know, she just looking at me. She just says, but I'm not just doing it out of fun. I'm doing it to acknowledge God. Create time during your day. As if you have to set a reminder on your phone that we are singing to God. Thank God now. Let it be a lifestyle. David said seven times a day, do I praise you, O God. Seven times. As busy as he was. Seven times. Do you think it's because he was jobless? No. It's because he prioritized it. Seven times a day, do I praise your name, O God. And last but not the least, learn to say no to things that you are not meant to be doing without feeling guilty. It will help you grow spiritually. The reason why many people don't grow spiritually is because they are doing too much. And that's why they don't have time to spend with God. Learn to say no 
to things that you should not be doing without feeling guilty. As a pastor, I had to learn that. Hmm. I can't go to every church member's house. If you are looking for a church like that, you are in the wrong church. I can't go to every... If I go to every church member's house, when will I have time to hear God? I can't visit everybody. I can't. I can't do everything. There is in everybody's life, there are only 5% things. 5% of things that only you can do that nobody can do. And you must learn to focus your energy on... You see... Spending time with God, nobody can do it for you. Acknowledging God throughout the day, nobody can do it for you. All these things I've mentioned, nobody, you are the only one that can do it yourself. So there are things you must delegate or things that you must just cut out of your life. If you have to cut Netflix, cut Netflix. I hear what I'm saying. Destiny has never been advanced through Netflix. It's simply entertainment. And nobody dies for lack of entertainment. They say, ah, that man died. Why did he die? Lack of entertainment. It has never been a reason for death. Never. In fact, it is so much of entertainment that causes death. In the sense that you're just sitting down before the tube, watching, watching, watching as you are watching, taking popcorn, taking fizzy drinks, adding, adding, adding weight, before you know, haven't you seen this channel? I don't want to mention the name of the channel. Where they show people that it gets to a point they can't even lose weight. They have to go through surgery. They have to literally cut part of their body because they can't lose the weight again. Learn to say no. Let me tell you this. I learned this years ago and it has helped me. Huh? Should I tell you that thing? No is a complete statement. Pastor, can you do No. I don't have to explain myself. It's a complete statement. And no, because I don't need to tell you because. No is no. And for you to understand that everything I'm saying is scriptural, let's go to look for. That's what I'm going to round up tonight. Have we learned something tonight? Luke chapter 4. If you want to celebrate God, you can do that. Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, verse 42. Go to verse 42 because of time. Luke chapter 4, verse 42. I think it's because... Okay, we have two screens on. I don't know why that third screen is not working. All right. Luke 4, let's read together. And when it was day... I can't hear everybody... And when it was day, he departed and went to a desert place. And the people sought him and came unto him and stayed with him. That he should what? That he should not depart from them. So the people came to him and said, Jesus, don't leave. Look at the next verse. And he said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also. For therefore, am I what? So what did Jesus do there? He said, no. Ah, man of God, that message was powerful. Please preach another day. No. Saying no is one of the key elements to grow spiritually. Because for you to say yes to some things, you must be saying, life is a series of trade-offs. You cannot have all the time to do everything you need to do. You know, while I was standing here, you know, before I came up, you know, just, we just told me that it is time to have our men's meeting. men's meeting so between May and June sorry between April and June in the next one month we are going to have our men's meeting you see watch out for the guys in this house something is about to shift praise the Lord learn to say no ask my wife there is not everything you see I'm, 
I'm not guilty when I say no. That's the problem with many people. They feel if I now say no, and what, what you are thinking, I don't care. That's just the truth. Because it is that process of ah, and what do they now think? And, ah, you will now look like a bad person, like you are not a nice person. Being nice is not part of the fruit of the spirit. It's not. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. There are people I don't that I don't say no to. For instance, my pastor, my mentor calls me. I don't say no, but there are many people I can say no to. I can't say no to God. If God says do something, it is yes. There are people that it is automated yes. And there are things that is automated no. If I are saying it, no. It's no. It's no. There are places I don't go to again by reason of the call of God upon my life. Not that it is a sin, but going to those places is a waste of time. It's a waste of, I used to love going to the cinemas. Maybe COVID even helped me. But even before COVID, I did not remember the last time I went to a cinema. You know, I used to live in Surulere before I got married many years. So I was already used to that cinema. Ask First Lady to the point that even when we just got married, when I want to watch a movie, yeah, I would still go to Surulere. I said, no, I prefer that particular cinema. You know, that one. That, I just like their sound, their glory roar. I was deceiving myself. You know. Let's pray tonight. Let's pray tonight. Ask God for the grace to put these things to work. There are simply seven things. Seven things that does not require rocket science intelligence. Seven things that anybody can do. Ask God for the grace to be disciplined in the practice of these things. Ask Him for the grace. Ask Him for the grace. Grace to spend time with Him first in the morning. Grace to feed your spirit with anointed materials. Grace to pray in the spirit. Grace to associate with the right people. Receive the grace tonight. Ask God for the grace. Father, I've heard your word. I've learned your word. Help me to be a doer of these things. Help me to be a doer of these things. Help me to be a doer of these things. I want to become more like Christ. I want to become more like Jesus. And I know that in the doing of these things, I will become more like Christ. Father, I receive your help. And I receive your grace. I receive your help. I receive your grace. I receive your help. I receive your grace. Father, we thank you tonight. We thank you because we know you have heard us. Your word says there is no one that comes to you that you cast away. The Bible says that we should come to the throne of grace. That we may obtain mercy and find grace even in the time of need. Tonight is a time of need for your grace. We have come to ask for that grace. Father, let your grace be made available to us. Help us to be consistent in the practice of these things. We give you the thanks and we give you the praise. For in Jesus' name we have prayed.